Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. You don't understand. This is a liar. How can you think that I'm her dad, but we both look exactly the same age? We do not look the same age. I was being kind. Wait, I'm going to hypnotize him. I hereby christen this mutton Barbie camper. Priscilla, queen of the desert. Hello and welcome to this episode of Pop Goes the Tam Tam. Originally, I had planned to put the first episode of the Shipping Cruise Valentine Special series in this gap, but something happened on Neighbours that took precedence. So, normal service will resume next week with the first episode of the Shipping series focusing on the iconic Lex and Tysan from the tribe. So before I get into this very special unhinged episode, I wanted to say spoilers. This was the worst kept secret in Neighbours fandom <laughs> because some bright spark invited Channel 10 down to film the wake of this particular character. But if you've been living under a rock or you haven't seen this particular episode yet, don't listen. Stop listening. <laughs> if you don't know what Neighbours is, keep listening. <laughs> okay, from this point on, there be spoilers. The Grim Reaper finally returned to Ramsey Street after a sabbatical. They went on holiday. They drank those little drinks with the umbrellas. They had a questionable suntan experience. But Grimo was backo to claim the first on-screen death, I'm not sure if they've been any off-screen ones, of the revival. That's right, Dr. David Yoshi, I looked that up, Tanaka is no more. R.I.P. Dr. David. Who was David Tanaka. Well, I'm just going to give you a brief history. He was a disgraced doctor, husband to Aaron Brennan. In fact, they had the first same-sex marriage on TV when same-sex marriage was finally legalised in 2018 in Australia. Father to Isla, son to evil Paul Robinson, brother to Leo, the twin who took all the nutrients out of the womb, and that explains why he's so tall. David started the soap in the closet, deeply, deeply guilt-ridden about his sexuality, and went on, I think, one of the most interesting journeys we've had on Neighbours. He was a very conflicted character. He came into the soap very sweet and optimistic, which is always a mistake when you go into a soap opera. Never be naive, sweet and optimistic. They will break you. <laughs> and I think, to be honest, David was broken. Yes, he had this very interesting dynamic with Nicolette, a lovely relationship with Aaron, but... He really went through a roller coaster and his return in the revival saw a man who'd probably taken all he could take. And in these last couple of days and weeks, we've had an attempt to return some of the joy that we found when David first arrived and in his early relationship with Aaron. But truth be told, I think his death has been 
foreshadowed since Riverbend. I've got no idea whether the intention before the cancellation was to kill David off or to keep him in prison. I know that the actor who plays David had asked to leave but stayed on until the final episode of the original run. But going back to Riverbend, I think this story really started there when David took the decision to not administer care to the man who had violently almost murdered his husband Aaron. For this he was struck off, he spent some time in prison and really the whole course of his life was derailed and the guilt that he started the series with, that he came in with, the guilt around his sexuality, was transferred to some extent to this event, the death of Gareth and the manslaughter that David was involved in. That led us to where we are today with him taking the decision to save another's life instead of his own. Maybe he just couldn't live with the guilt anymore and he had to do this. It felt like in the scenes that maybe David knew he was dying or that he was more injured than he told Aaron or Leo. He made it very clear that he could not live with another death on his conscience. But he was okay with his own. So while I do have some issues related to the handling of this first passing, I have to say I think the story beats and how it filled out David's character made a lot of sense. Everything since Riverbend has been leading to this moment and it was going to go one of two ways. David came out a hero, was renewed, had another baby with Aaron and Nicolette, bought the house back, stepped forward into the future, or he died. And we all now know he died. I've touched a little bit on who David Tanaka was and his sad passing. Now I want to talk a bit more about the whole structure of the episode leading to this. And for this, I am going to bring in a very special guest. Announce yourself, special guest. Hi, it's Tamsin's mum. That's right. Tamsin's mum is here to forensically pick apart this first death. Forensically. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so shall we get in to some of the baffling points of the episode? Let's do it. Okay, I think the first thing for me was how was it that Eden turned up there? How did he know where they were? How did he get there? That was all a bit confusing. How did he know that she was pregnant? How did he know that she was pregnant? Someone had to have told him. Well, we know in the previous episode, when he had arrived at the holiday destination, that he said he was basically behind Krista having her drink spiked. Yes. And I think that he was partly behind what happened with Mel and those boys harassing her when she was on her app state. Right. Because look at it this way. He has beef with both Krista and Mel. Yes, he does. And had Haz and Mackenzie not come along, 
they'd backed Mel up into a side gate thing and they could easily have just run her over with the car. We know that the CCTV was not working in Grease Monkeys. No. And that the whole of Power Road apparently doesn't have any CCTV. No, a very little street lighting apparently. Did they know that? I guess they did. He obviously had some sort of vendetta. And it's gone back that far. So we're talking at least a month this has been going on. So do you think that he got wind of her pregnancy through the grapevine? Or do you think someone told him? I think Paul primed Eden to go out there and either take her away with the promise of drugs and because he thinks she's a junkie or, and this is really dark, to kill her so that she would get away from Leo. I think that when they were in the penthouse, Paul revealed in his body language, that's how I read it, when he heard that Eden was there. When he dropped the keys. When he dropped the keys, that it was him. He had told them where. Because as you said before, who knew that they were going on this getaway? They were going on the getaway so that Nicolette could get away from Veronica. Veronica then found out where Nicolette was going, but Veronica's got nothing to do with Eden. No, but do you really think that Paul would would tell Eden that they were going away somewhere and risk any harm coming to... Knowing that, he, as he did, Eden is very dangerous. Yes, but there's a vital piece of information that Paul didn't have. Right. Which is that Eden was responsible for the drink being spiked. Very true. He didn't know that because he believed that Krista had done the drugs herself. I think that's why he put this whole plan into action. I think he probably gave Eden some drugs told him to seduce her with the drugs and that they would go off into the sunset and become junkies together again. that's the end of it. Yeah. What he didn't know was that Eden doesn't care about Krista and he doesn't care about that baby. He He spiked her when she was pregnant, which could have meant she could have died, the baby could have died, they both could have died. He doesn't care. And without that piece of vital information, this is what's happened, I think. It's very serious though i mean the the fallout from this well we're going to get into the fallout from this a little bit later on okay but i thought we'd now move on to the next bit that we found quite confusing which was the whole take eden take david scenario when the question really is they had one car that krista was in why didn't they put both of the men in the back or Put Eden in the boot. (laughs) Why not? And put David in the back. Yeah. Now, I appreciate that someone's going to say, yeah, but it was quite a long walk. And by the time they'd walked Eden to the car, David was dead. I'm just going to say, I have seen footage of Aaron carrying David in a bridal style. Oh, yeah. Why could he not have just done that while they dragged Eden by the hands? up the dirt track just because david said take eden that doesn't mean you have to take him carefully that just means take him (laughs) i'm not sure i mean you you've had lots of twins friends would they want to even drag him up the cliff i'm gonna be honest a lot of the twins i know they would just have completely countermanded that order and immediately got their twin yeah yeah i mean I, i i i find it very confusing when it comes back to the vehicle thing Mm. You know, and why didn't someone run and get help? There must have been a habitation somewhere close because, yes, it's a holiday home, 
but you there must be other people nearby so that people who are staying in the holiday home have got someone to contact which will mean if, if you can get to some habitation then they will have a landline you can you can get an ambulance they might have a doctor nearby and also there's another thing that you brought up and that is finding Nicolette because she's a nurse yeah I mean I thought it was interesting because the problem I had was how far away everything is from everything else I didn't think they did enough establishing in the episode before this of how far away the track was from the house how far away Nicolette had moved from the house because suddenly we cut to Nicolette and Veronica being sat on a log in a different location that's obviously far enough away from the house that they didn't hear any of this going on yeah So I think they should have maybe done a bit more establishing of how far away everything is, maybe with some drone shots in the first episode that led into this one. That makes good sense. Because then at least you're less confused. You're like, yes, of course it took them X amount of time and yes. But as it was, it just felt really a little bit confused. I mean, I know that lent to the, oh my goodness, what's just happened. Yeah. Yeah. But... As a viewer, it kind of took me out of it a little bit because I was thinking, well, why don't they just go and get X and why don't they go and do this? Yeah. And yeah, like Nicolette's a nurse. Why doesn't she go down and sit with David? And I guess the point is David had to die. <laughs> well, yes. And this is the only way they were going to do it. And he needed a, a, a redemption story in a way. Yes, because this is all about David redeeming himself. Mm with his death he's redeeming himself at the cost of a lot of other people yeah let's be honest at the cost of his relationship with Aaron at the cost of his daughter Isla having a father his relationship with Nicolette because something that I don't think I've said yet is that Aaron and David are a married couple and their surrogate Nicolette still lives with them they're raising the child as a kind of de facto thruple, a rainbow family, because she's also a lesbian. So this whole family has just been blown apart. And I think it's right what you say about ramifications. This is truly unforgivable. Mm, I think so too. Really, really not good. (laughs) And I'm not sure if Aaron's ever going to be able to forgive David for this. No, I, I don't think he ever will. And I mean, it's also, apart from that, that awful trauma he went through with the Gareth storyline. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's going to be a wreck. Because this is technically the sequel to Riverbend. It and is. Riverbend, as they say on the Neighbours podcast, was the sequel to Bum Island. Oh, that's right. <laughs> this very much, in a way that sometimes really, really good storylines have a payoff. This had a payoff that I didn't see coming, but I'm not totally surprised that it ended like this. No. Because as I said in the beginning when I was talking about who is David Tanaka, he was never happy from that moment. No. You could even say that David technically died at Riverbend. I think so too. And the rest of it was just his body going through the motions because he was never the same again. And the writing for him reflected that. He did not just brush this aside. It followed him. It followed him till the day he died. He only found release with doing this and it causing his death. It's very sad. It's very sad. It's very sad. But I think in the best writing, nothing happens in a vacuum. Everything leads 
it's cause and effect all yes, the time. Exactly. And I think the neighbours writers say what you want about this revival and there's a lot to talk about. This revival has been I would say pat- a little bit patchy. We're halfway through and some of the storylines have just ground to a halt. Mm. But for this legacy character, this was a good way to go. I agree. And it's right up there with Sonia, I would say. Yes, which is quite a quite a big mountain. Yeah, and I think it's important to address the bury your gaze trope. But I have to say that Neighbours is one of those soap operas kind of similar with Hollyoaks that has such a large cast of LGBTQ plus characters that if you were to kill any of them off, chances are one of them probably would be gay or bisexual. That's just the wonderful situation that we are in with Neighbours at the moment. And that this storyline was actually about the fulfilment of his character. Yes, but you've also touched on something else there that you noted at the time, and that was Nicolette's sexuality. Yeah, so that's the other side of this storyline, was that Nicolette, David, Aaron, Leo and Krista were going on this holiday to get away from a woman called Veronica who was stalking Nicolette, who she thought had had an affair (laughs) with her husband. If any of you understand what's going on there, please let me know. Turns out Nicolette, who came into the series as a lesbian, who had a very hard road to get back to with her mother because her mother didn't accept her sexuality, her grandmother didn't accept her sexuality, And it was about trying to find a spot with your family where they do accept you. And it was that journey. Yes. And Nicolette now has found herself attracted to a man. And I know a lot of people will say, well, why why is this the case? And this is the case because sexuality is not a shoe size. It's not a one size fits all. It's complicated. Yeah. People are attracted to people that they didn't expect to be attracted to. Mm. That might be in terms of looks. That might be in terms of what's going on with their downstairs (laughs) (laughs) mix-up. And I thought making Sasha a man was kind of interesting for Nicolette's character. I think that too. Because she's questioning herself now. Mm. And... It seems as if it's just going to be this one-off. She met this guy this one time and she vibed with him. And that just feels really real. It does. Because as much as we want to box people up and say it can be a lot more complicated than that. Absolutely, I agree with that. So, something that we have mentioned is the ramifications from this episode and what we think they might be. Aaron and David, as we said... I don't think Aaron is going to be able to cope or forgive David for what he has done. I actually think we're probably going to lose Aaron quite soon. I think he'll probably go back and live with Mark and he'll probably take Isla and Nicolette with him. Yeah, that would be the right trajectory for that character. Yes, we have already had a death like this, which was Hendrix and Mackenzie. And as much as I love Mackenzie, I really wish that she had gone off and done something exceptional because that's what Hendrix would have wanted her to do. She should be living it up in the city, dancing till three o'clock in the morning and then being a lawyer for the rest of the day instead of this weepy, soppy, 
desperado romance that she's got going with Haz, which who is here for this? I am not here for this. Yuck. And the last thing I want them to do is do that with Aaron. Yeah, he would definitely. I mean, if it was a, if it was reality, he would definitely want to go home to his family. Yeah. Just to get away from that place and try and get some sort of normality back into his existence. Yeah. With his, and I think also for the little girl. Yeah. And let's be honest, Ramsey Street is where he met David. Mm. He lived in that house, Jane's house. I always think of it as the bishop's house, even to this day. (laughs) Long before he met David, their relationship really started there. Then they moved over to number 32. And I agree with you. I think there's too much history in those bricks and mortars to be healthy to stay. Mm. Yes, you'll have the support of Jane, Nicolette, Therese, Paul, etc., But it will never be the same. As family. No. No. And it will never be the same as David. So I think at the end of this, we'll lose the three of them. I think it's really sad. I think there's no way you can cut this without saying, we have lost a a lovely relationship that could really... I mean, I always thought they had the ability to become the Carl and Susan. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's... Right there with Tony and Sonia again. I mean, I was never a Sonia fan, but my goodness, don't we miss her now. Yeah. So that leads us on to Paul. And also to something I wish had happened in the penthouse. So Therese is the person who gives Paul the information that his son has died. I really like that because yet again it underscores that Therese and Paul understand each other on a level that no one else can. Mm. I thought that when when the, the scene in the penthouse took place, I really thought they were going to embrace. I felt that. Well, I thought they should have kissed. You thought they should have kissed? Yeah. I thought they should have kissed, and I thought it would have thrown an interesting spanner into the works because it's muscle memory. Yeah, exactly. It's not... For the first time, they weren't dancing around their feelings. They just gave in to them and they didn't even think about it. And I think what would have been the most interesting thing about that is that if Paul had no memory of kissing Therese at all. Mm. Which he probably wouldn't. No, because he's in this other place full of shock, remorse, uh, desperation. And like I said, it's just muscle memory. Yeah. So I think it's sad that we had that missed opportunity of a kiss. Mm. I would have liked that. (laughs) If Paul has done this, if he's the one that led Eden to Krista, I don't think there's any going back for his character. I don't think so either. And that leads me on nicely to these dead ends that the writers keep taking us down. The most glaringly dead end for me is the toadied Therese, Mel... Paul love triangle which wouldn't have been so bad if Toadie hadn't sold his house to the Varga Murphys. Now there's a conundrum. Where is Toadie going to go when this eventual love square collapses in on itself? Which it's gonna do. I mean is Therese gonna move back in with Paul? Probably. And so you're going to say that she's going to be really happy for her ex-husband and his children to continue living in their old house? This inevitably 
will lead to potentially Toadie, Mel and the kids leaving the series because I don't see where else they can go. No, because my initial thought was, uh, oh, they'll go back to Carl and Susan, but then how can they when there are so many people living there already? Let's think about the numbers that will be inside Carl and Susan's house, shall we? (laughs) There will be Carl and Susan, Holly. There will also be two children and two other additional adults. How many people is that? Let's count them out on our fingers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. About a thousand people <laughs> <laughs> will be living in Carl and Susan's house. Now, we know that Susan, Jackie Woodburn, has got time travel experience. We know this. But her house ain't the TARDIS. I think it's only got five bedrooms. <laughs> And some of them have got to be singles. <laughs> <laughs> so Mal and Teddy will be in bunk beds. <laughs> or a tent in the garden. But I think it shows an issue that unless Tony and Therese stay together and everything is pointing to that not being the case, no. where are we going to go with this? Maybe if Tony's old house had been the share house. You could easily kick those characters out. I mean, I'd love to see the back of house. Me too. <laughs> Me too. But that's not where we are with this. It's a it's a family. It's an established family. I like them. Let's be honest. In the wake of breaking up David and Aaron, can we really break up these lesbians as well? I don't think so. And that leads me inevitably back into these dead ends that the writers can't write themselves out of. And if Paul has had anything to do with Eden finding Krista, then this is going to be the largest dead end. Because what is Paul going to have to do to rehabilitate himself? Because Aaron will never want a bar of him. He's never going to see Isla again. He is never going to see Leo mm. and potentially all his other children will disown him as well because this is one step beyond yes. they th- he threw his own son under the bus to get rid of some woman who let's be honest we all know Leo he's not a sticker it's hot now and she's hot but as soon as she pops that baby out he's gonna be running for the hills <laughs> it's not even his kid you know, how many times have we... Leo is not a sticker. Why has he done this? <laughs> yeah, we've got no indication that she's a sticker either. I mean, look at her, her past life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when the going gets tough, chances are they'll both split. Mm. That's the reality. And David's died because Paul seemed to fundamentally not know anything about his children. And there has to be a real ramification for him. Maybe that is how they deal with the Toadie, Therese, Mel, Paul love square. Is by just taking Paul out forever because Therese will never forgive him for this. It's a bit horrible, isn't it? Yeah. It is horrible. It it really is. Yeah, it's beyond. But then he's a sociopath and he doesn't care about anybody. Unless they're, you know, he directly loves them. Everybody Mm. else is collateral damage. But I, I also think it sort of touched upon the, the sort of self-delusion that Toadie and Teresa are having. 
and have been having for a while now. What, that they have a marriage? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it couldn't be any clearer, could it? No. Than in this particular episode. No, and I think their priorities, his priorities are with Mel and her priorities are with Paul. Yeah. And I think, like, don't get me wrong, they obviously care for each other deeply and are good friends. I thought one really nice thing was that when she came back, he said to her, how are you, babe? Because yeah. nobody had asked her that. And David had been her stepson for years. Yeah. He's a part of her life. And also, she lost her own son in a very similar type of accident. Not very similar. It was an explosion. But still. A horrible accident. A horrible accident. So that's going to bring up all that stuff. Mm. And nobody had asked her how she was. Until Toadie did. And I think it showed that these are two people who check in with each other, which is really important in a relationship you just don't see enough of on TV. True. As exits go, I think this was a quite a good one. It's not there with Sonia, but it's better than some. It's very tear-jerking. It is. It's kind of in that Kate Ramsey area, I would say. Yeah, that's a good point. Where it could have been better, but as it was, it was an okay way to send off this legendary character let's be honest it's a legendary character something that we don't often do on the podcast is rate performances but i think we're gonna have to it deserves that so let's start with takaya honda david tanaka 10 10 across the board (laughs) matt wilson aaron brennan 10. 10 across the board. Tim Kano. I think I pronounced that correctly. I'm sorry if I didn't. Leo Tanaka. 10. 10 across the board. Stefan Dennis. Paul Robinson. 10. 10 across the board. Mm -hmm. Rebecca Imagoglu. And I'm pretty sure I haven't pronounced that right. (laughs) 10. 10 across the board. With special mention to Annie Jones as Jane. With her line reading... David has died, which I have to say she managed to do with so much shock. Yeah. She couldn't really believe she was saying the words. It was full of shock. It was full of emotion. Absolute convincing. Reminds you why having Annie Jones back on the show is so important. Not only because she taps back into the legacy of the 80s, but also because she's a phenomenal actress. She's a damn good actress. 100%. I keep saying that. 100p. (laughs) (laughs) So to Annie Jones, we give the final 10. And roll the Sad Neighbours theme. 